Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. Now, in this episode of our podcast, we are looking back over the last 19 months at Melbourne Heights, and we are taking a look at how God has been at work in our church and through our church. And the reality is that God has been able to accomplish amazing things when 19 months ago, when the COVID-19 pandemic was just beginning, none of us had any idea what the future would hold. But we've been reminded throughout the last 19 months that even when we don't know what the future holds, God still holds the future. So let's get right into this episode's sermon and see how God has been at work through our church. So today I'm holding in my hand a bulletin that's dated March 15th, 2020. And on March 15th, 2020, our worship service was supposed to begin with our handbell choir playing Jesus Paid It All. From there, we were going to sing songs like The Old Rugged Cross and Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. And I was going to preach a sermon about how Jesus cursed a fig tree during Holy Week. But none of those things actually happened on March 15th, 2020. And that's because on March 8th, 2020, the first case of COVID-19 was confirmed to reach our county. By March 12th of 2020, the governor of the state of Kentucky was strongly urging that churches cancel all of their in-person services and activities for at least the next two weeks. And on March 13th, 2020, our leadership team met and decided that we would follow the governor's recommendations and cancel all of our in-person services and activities at Melbourne Heights indefinitely. Now, even though all of those things happened about 19 months ago, I still vividly remember so much from that week. I vividly remember trying to scramble to figure out how our leadership team could get together throughout that entire week to make decisions as the world was changing around us because it wasn't safe for us to meet in person. And all of this happened about a month before the entire world discovered a little thing called Zoom. So we had to get together using a good old-fashioned conference call. So I still remember sitting in my office with my phone on my desk, trying to make sense out of everything that was happening in the world around us. I remember our leadership team talking about the growing number of cases of COVID-19 all across our world, across our country, and in our state. I remember us discussing the CDC's guidelines and the governor's recommendations. And I remember our leadership team making the unanimous decision that we would cancel all of our in-person services and activities for the foreseeable future. But most of all, what I remember from that night was the way that I felt when I hung up my phone and ended that conference call. And I remember wondering, what does the future hold for our church? What does the future hold for our church? Now, on March 13th, 2020, when our leadership team made the decision to cancel our in-person services, I couldn't have even begun to answer that question because I had no idea what the future held. The truth of the matter is the only thing I knew for sure on March 13th, 2020, was that I was afraid. And what was I afraid of? Well, I was afraid of this novel virus that was rapidly spreading all around our world. And I was afraid that somebody that I knew or loved would contract COVID-19. I was afraid because even 19 months ago, we already knew that this virus was especially dangerous for people over the age of 65. So I was afraid for the health and safety of all of the senior adults in our congregation. 
And I was afraid because I knew that our church had been through so much over the previous three years as we had worked to sell our old building that I wasn't sure if we could survive another major challenge. And I was afraid because I had no idea how to even begin pastoring a church when I wasn't able to see anyone who attends our church in person. So I was afraid. And I've held on to this bulletin for 19 months to remember how I felt that night. But I've also held on to this bulletin for almost 19 months to remind myself that even when I don't know what the future holds, God still holds the future. Even when I don't know what the future holds, God still holds the future. Now, can I get an amen in the comments thread to that? Can I get some praise hands in the comments thread for that? Because it's absolutely true. Even when I don't know, even when you don't know, even when we don't know what the future holds, God still holds the future. And as we look back over the last 19 months, it's not hard to see how God has been at work in our church and through our church over the course of the last 19 months. And it all started on March 15, 2020. Now, when our leadership team got together on March 13th and we made the decision to cancel our in-person services indefinitely, that didn't exactly leave us with a whole lot of time to get ready for that next Sunday, March 15th. As a matter of fact, it left us, left us with less than two days to get everything ready. So my initial thought was that we would take the easiest approach we possibly could. We would post a link on our social media feeds to a previously recorded sermon, and you all could tune in and listen to our sermon podcast. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that God was calling us to do something new, to do something different. So in that little bit of time we had between March 13th and March 15th, I sat down in my office with my iPhone camera on my desk and I recorded my first online message. And I talked about the fact that even in the face of things that can cause us great fear, we still need to trust in God. And then I spent most of the rest of the time between March 13th and March 15th trying to figure out how to get that message uploaded onto our Facebook page. But as I worked on that video, as I worked on that video, I had no idea what the future held. As I worked on that video, I had no idea that over the course of the next week that more than 100 people would watch that message online. As I worked on that video, I had no idea that it was the beginning of our online ministry at Melbourne Heights. As I worked on that video, I had no idea that we would have an online worship service every single Sunday since March 15, 2020. As I worked on that video, I had no idea that over the course of the next 19 months that God would allow us to minister to more than 4,000 people through our church website alone. As I worked on that video, I had no idea that we would be able, that God would use us to minister to people in 48 different states and 72 different countries throughout this pandemic. As I worked on that video, I had no idea what the future held. But God did. And God knew that he was going to do things in our church and through our church that none of us would have believed possible just 19 months ago. And God's still using our church right now. And I think I can show you just a little bit of how God is using our church right now if you're joining us and worshiping with us on Facebook right now. And now in just a second, for all of you worshiping with us on Facebook, I'm going to ask you to do something. And this will really only work if you help me out here, okay? 
So what I want you to do is I want you to go over to the comment section on Facebook right now, and I want you to share with us where you are worshiping with us from right now. I want you to share where you're worshiping with us from right now. So I want you to write down the name of the city and the state where you're joining us from, or if you're joining us from outside of the United States, just write down the country that you're joining us from right now. And as we continue along, I'll call out the names of some of the places that I see in our comments thread. But before I start calling out any of the names of any of the places that people are worshiping with us from, I do want to take just a second and remind you that Facebook is only one of the places where we're doing online ministry right now. We're also ministering to people through our church's website, through our YouTube channel, and through our sermon podcast. And we have people tuning into these channels every single week. And we have found throughout the course of this pandemic that every week we have the potential to reach hundreds of people through these channels alone. So as I'm looking at it right now, I'm seeing that there are people, obviously, that are joining us from right here in Louisville, Kentucky, right now. But I also know just by looking at some of the folks that are joining us online that we've got people that are worshiping with us from other places. We've got somebody joining us from Madisonville, Kentucky, right now. I know we've got people that are worshiping with us from Ohio right now. I also know that last week, while my family was on vacation, we were able to join in and worship online um, as we were traveling through Ohio as well. And if you think, if you think back to how things were before this pandemic began, you'll realize that our church, we were really only able to minister to people in one place, and that was in Louisville, Kentucky. But over the last 19 months, God has literally used our church to minister to people all around the world. And I don't want you to rush past that fact. I don't want you to discount that fact because we haven't seen all of these people join us and worship in person for one of our services. Because we can't forget that every single person who we have ministered to over the course of the last 19 months is a child of God. Every one of these people is created in the image of God. Every one of these people is loved by God. Every one of these people matter to God. So every one of these people should matter to us. And we need to realize how fortunate we as a church have been to be able to minister to as many people as we have. And as I think back about everything that we've experienced over the last 19 months, and I think about everything that God has done in our church and through our church in the last 19 months, I can't help but think of something that God tells the people of Israel in the book of Isaiah. Specifically, we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 43 today. But before we start reading this passage, I want to tell you a little bit more about the book of Isaiah. And unsurprisingly, the book of Isaiah is about a guy named Isaiah. But who is he? Well, Isaiah is a prophet. And a prophet is just a fancy way of saying that someone speaks on behalf of God. So Isaiah is someone who speaks on behalf of God. But Isaiah is not the only prophet that we meet inside of the Bible. There are at least 15 other books of the Bible that are named after other prophets. And even though all of their stories are a little bit different, all of the prophets essentially share one of two messages with us. The prophets either tell us that we need to get things right, that we need to straighten things out, that we need to get back on track before it's too late, or the prophets tell us, they give us promises from God that things are going to be okay when we're facing difficult times. And the prophet Isaiah, well, he delivers both of these messages throughout the book. And that's because Isaiah is a prophet during one of the most tumultuous times in Israel's history. 
Isaiah is a prophet beginning somewhere around 740 B.C. And that's just 18 years before his kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, is going to be invaded and conquered by the Assyrian Empire. So Isaiah spends his first 18 years as a prophet telling the people of Israel that they need to get back on the right track. They need to start doing things the right way. They need to turn back to God before it's too late. But the people of Israel, they don't listen to Isaiah. And like I told you just a second ago, they end up getting invaded and conquered by the Assyrian Empire. But just because they're conquered by the Assyrian Empire doesn't mean that the Assyrians left the kingdom of Israel lying in ruins. And that's because the Assyrian Empire, they had a history and a habit of taking the leaders from every kingdom that they invaded and conquered, and they would spread those leaders out all across their empire. So they would take the king and his courts, they would take the religious leaders and the military officials, and then they would send them out all throughout the Assyrian Empire. And they did that for a reason. They did that because the Assyrians didn't want to run the risk of these leaders from the kingdoms they had conquered coming back together and then creating some kind of uprising where they would stand up to their conquerors again. So I want you to think, just a second, about what it would have been like to have been one of these people from Israel, one of these leaders who were forced away from your home. I want you to imagine what that would have been like. Imagine what it would have been like to have to leave the only home you had ever known. Imagine what it would be like to lose everything that you ever had. Imagine what it would be like to have to start over from scratch in a completely unfamiliar world. Imagine what it would be like to not know if your life would ever be as good as it used to be. Now, if you're joining us on Facebook, I want to encourage you to go over into the comments thread and use an emoji there to show us how you would have felt if you were one of these leaders from Israel that was forced into exile in the Assyrian Empire. And I want you to do that for a reason. And that's because however you might feel if you had been one of these people forced into exile, well, that's exactly the way that the people of Israel would have felt. They would have felt angry. They would have felt sad. They would have felt afraid, but mostly I think they would have felt anxious. And they would have wondered, what does the future hold? And just because God, or just because the Assyrian Empire was able to invade and conquer Israel, doesn't mean that God gave up on the people of Israel. So in Isaiah chapter 43, God is going to have Isaiah deliver a message for him. And God is going to promise the people of Israel that no matter how hard things may seem right now, they're going to get better. So let's listen to what God says in Isaiah chapter 43, where we'll start reading in verse 1. Here's what it says. But now, says the Lord, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, don't fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be scorched and flame won't burn you. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place, because you were precious in my eyes. You were honored, and I love you. I give people in your place and nations in exchange for your life. Don't fear, for I am with you. From the east, I'll bring your children. From the west, I'll gather you. I'll say to the north, give them back and to the south. Don't detain them. 
Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I created for my glory, whom I have formed and made. Now, this passage of scripture from the book of Isaiah, it makes you feel kind of good, right? I mean, in this passage, we hear that God, the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, tells us to not be afraid. And God tells us why we don't have to be afraid. And we don't have to be afraid because we are God's. You are God's, and there is nothing that can happen that is going to change that. You belong to God. You have always belonged to God, and you will always belong to God. So you don't have to be afraid. And that's the overwhelming message that we hear in these verses from the book of Isaiah. But when you understand the history of what's happening in this passage, it makes this this message even more impactful. So let me take just a minute here and see if I can explain some of the history that we see inside of this passage. And this passage opens up with God telling us, don't fear. And then it explains specifically why we don't have to be afraid when it says, don't fear, for I have redeemed you. Don't fear, for I have redeemed you. Now, the word redeemed is one of those words that we use in church sometimes, but it's one of those words that we never really stop and explain. So let me explain to you what the word redeem means in this context. And according to Israel's law, in order for someone to be redeemed, what it means is that their freedom has been bought, that their burden has been lifted, and it's been purchased by a family member. So in this passage, what God is doing is he's telling the people of Israel that their freedom has been bought, that they have been bought out from the burden of slavery. But that's not the most important thing that we're hearing in this passage. The most important thing that we hear in this passage is why God is able to redeem the people of Israel. Why God is able to buy them out of their enslavement, out of their captivity, away out of their burden. And God is able to redeem the people of Israel because they are God's family. And God's able to redeem us from the burdens that we face, from the fear, from the anxiety, from the stress that we have in our lives, because we are God's family. We are God's children. And as the passage goes on, we're going to see that God reminds the people of Israel of what he has done for his children in the past. And it starts out with God saying, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Now, this isn't just some fancy poetic language that God's using here. God says this because it's absolutely true. You see, during another time in Israel's history, when they were enslaved, when they were in captivity in the land of Egypt, God frees them from their captivity, but in order for them to get back home, they have to cross over the Jordan River. But God makes sure, God makes sure that he is with them as they pass through these waters, and God literally parts that Red Sea so that they are able to cross over on dry ground to return back to their homeland. The next thing that God says in this passage is, When you go through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. And again, this isn't just fancy poetic language. God is telling the people of Israel this because God has done this for them. Again, as they were leaving their captivity in Egypt and they're returning back home to the promised land, they have to cross over the Jordan River to make it back home. And God makes sure that the Jordan River does not sweep over them by stopping the waters of the Jordan River, stopping the flow of the river a mile upstream so that the people of Israel can once again cross over on dry land. The last thing that God says in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 43 is, when you walk through the fire, 
you won't be scorched and flame won't burn you. And again, this isn't just poetic language that God is using here. This is God reminding the people of Israel of something that he did for them. And as they were traveling away from Egypt to return back home after they had been enslaved for 400 years, God sends a pillar of fire to help protect the people of Israel. And no one in Israel is burned by those flames along the way. So in Isaiah 43, verse 2, God reminds the people of Israel of the history that he has with them. He reminds the people of Israel that he has been with them in some of their most difficult times and some of their darkest moments to tell them, if I was there with you in the past when you faced difficult times in your darkest moments, I'm with you now and I'll be with you in the future. And then God tells them what the future holds for them. This is what God's getting at when he talks about uh, giving Egypt as a ransom in Cush and Seba in place of Israel. He is telling them what the future holds for them. And he's telling them that the Assyrian Empire, which stretches from Egypt to Cush to Seba, that the Assyrian Empire is going to be given in their place, saying that the Assyrian Empire is going to fall. It's going to be invaded and conquered by an outside empire. And that's exactly what happens. And then God goes on to promise the people of Israel what that means for them, what it means for the people of Israel when the Assyrian Empire is conquered. And that's what God is talking about when he talks about bringing their children back from the north, the south, the east, and the west. He's telling the people of Israel that when the Assyrian Empire falls, that their captivity is going to end, that they will be redeemed, that they will be able to go back home to the kingdom of Israel once again, and they'll go back from all the corners of the earth to get there. And that's exactly what happens. Now, All of this is well and good, but what does any of this have to do with us? I mean, why does it really matter to us that we know that we belong to God? And what difference does it make if we understand this chapter in Israel's history? And most importantly, how does any of this help us as we face our fears today? Well, this story, this story shows us and it reminds us that we can abandon fear because God has not abandoned us. We can abandon fear because God has not abandoned us. We are God's children. We belong to God and God never abandons his children. We see that in the story of Isaiah chapter 43. We see that as Isaiah, as God reminds us of his history with the people of Israel when they were enslaved in Egypt. God never abandoned them. God helped them as they faced their fears and made it through one of the darkest and most difficult times in their history. And we see it as we look at the history of, of what's actually happening in Isaiah 43. We see it as God will free the people of Israel from their exile throughout the Assyrian Empire and he will allow them to go back home. God never abandons his children. Now, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what thoughts were running through your mind as you logged on to join us online today. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know if you're feeling afraid or anxious or stressed out about something that's happening with your family, with your finances, with your health, with your career. I don't know what's happening in your life. But I know that there are plenty of people that are worshiping with us that are continuing to wonder the same thing that I wondered 19 months ago. And that's, what does the future hold? What does the future hold? And you know what? I wish I could give you a definitive answer to that question. 
I wish I could stand here today and tell you definitively what the future holds for your family, what the future holds for your finances, what the future holds for your health, what the future holds for your career, but I can't. If you're a part of Melbourne Heights, I wish I could stand here today and tell you definitively what the future holds for our church, but I can't. And even though we have plans for our immediate future at Melbourne Heights that we're going to be talking about more at our next couple of business sessions, if we've learned one thing during this pandemic, it's that all of the plans that we have can change in an instant. So I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what the future holds for me. I don't know what the future holds for you. I don't know what the future holds for our church. But I do know this. I know that what we read in Isaiah 43 is absolutely true. I know that God never abandons his children. I know that God is always with us. And I know that God is with you right now, working in your life in those areas that bring you stress and anxiety and fear. So give your fear to God. Give your anxiety to God. Give your stress to God. And let God work. Because God's got this. God's not going to abandon you. God's not going to give up on you. God's going to be there with you every step along the way. And at some point, you're going to be able to look back, like we did at the start of the sermon over the last 19 months, and you're going to be able to see how God was at work in your life and through your life. And then you're going to realize that you had no reason to be afraid, that there was nothing to keep you from having faith in uncertain times. Because God is always with you. God will never abandon you. Let's pray together. God, you know that there is so much that is happening in every single one of our lives. There are so many things that are going on that can cause us to feel stressed out and anxious and afraid. But God, help us to remember when we're having these feelings of stress and anxiety and fear, that you are always with us and that you have a history with us, God. God, you have been there with us every step of the way, just like you were there for the people of Israel as they journeyed out of their captivity in Egypt and just as they came out of their exile in the Assyrian Empire. You're with us, God, in the darkest and most difficult times in our lives. So my prayer now, God, is that no matter what those of us who are worshiping right now are facing, God, allow us to feel your presence. Help us to know that you are with us and show us that you are at work in our lives. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has inspired you to continue to hold on to your faith, even in times when you want to feel afraid. Because the reality is that even when we're facing the darkest and most difficult times in our life, that God is still there with us, that God doesn't abandon us, that God is at work in our lives and through our lives. Well, in the next episode of our sermon podcast, we're going to be having another standalone sermon. And specifically next week, we're going to be thinking about 
money. And we're going to be talking about two different approaches that we can have when it comes to the way that we use our money. And that's that we can either count the cost or we can count the blessing. So I hope that you'll tune back in when our next episode drops next Tuesday. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. But also remember that you're invited to come and worship with us every Sunday morning online. You can join us on our church website at mhbclouisville.com live. Or if you want to interact with us a little little bit more, I invite you to join us on Facebook. Just search for Melbourne Heights Baptist Church and we'll show up. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.